AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, because every voice matters. A new platform is out from a major control manufacturer that supports modern programming languages. Surprise, surprise. We haven't, not like we haven't been talking about that for some time, but what does that mean to programmers? What does it mean to the programming industry? How does it impact clients? And what does the future hold? All that and more on A State of Control. A State of Control, episode 112, Nerds Unite. Welcome to A State of Control, an aviation podcast that highlights the control programming and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So today's topic is going to be uh, very interesting because we're going to be talking about an announcement that one of the major control system manufacturers have made recently. And it really has uh, an impact not only on today's programmers and the way programming is handled, but I believe it could change the way we do things moving forward. So uh, with that tease, I'll get to introduce a few returning, couple of returning guests, as well as my partner here at Estate of Control, Rich Fergoza. How are you, Rich? I'm doing good. It's uh, I feel like we're throwing the Wayback Machine together on this one. Absolutely, yeah. We're you know I think this episode ties together a lot of the themes that we've been talking about probably since uh, since episode one. So it's going to be fun. Well, I'm just sitting there going, is this not like 1992? Wait a minute, you know, all of a sudden we're 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 talking about people that we haven't talked about head to head in a while. Absolutely. Um, so, so with us uh, to continue this conversation and add a lot of flavor to it or to returning guests, uh, they were recently here, um, actually, uh, only a few episodes ago. The first one is Nick Miller. He is a, an expert uh, control system programmer from the Pacific Northwest, and he was recently on episode 109. Welcome back, Nick. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. And uh, last but not least, another familiar face. Uh, he was last on episode 108. Um, and he's Mike Krejci. He's from CTI. Welcome back, Mike. Thanks, Steve. Uh, glad to provide flavor to this conversation today uh, when it comes to what we're talking about. I uh, So uh, with that, we're going to jump right in. We're going to talk about the new announcement that AMX made in, in uh, announcing what they call the Muse platform. And we're not here to talk and promote a, a particular manufacturer nor um, talk about the strengths or weaknesses, but more so about the specifics of what it means and what is different about this platform that really has a big impact on this audience and, and programmers in general. And um, the thing that Muse talks about is that their claim to fame, their differentiator is that they support multiple mainstream programming languages. And um, that that's something that's really new um, and, and different and something we've been talking about for quite some time. And, and what this is intended to do is kind of break through those walled gardens and, and um, get us out of that proprietary world. They're not just supporting sandbox versions, but they're supporting, supporting the full versions of multiple programming language, giving programmers and developers different options of what to work with. And not only, they're all still doing what's considered more of a, um, a low code version as well as a you know, full line and, and development environment. So Rich, um, let's kind of jump in. Um, we've been talking about it for a while. This, we've kind of been saying that this is coming and there's been other manufacturers who have brought mainstream programming languages to the market. Some of them pushed hard with it. Some of them backed down a little. Some of them gave you modified versions. What does this really mean to, to the industry now that we have these tools that uh, we've been 
asking or saying or coming for quite some time. You know, I was kind of joking about it feeling like it's being 1992, but there's one thing about this announcement that I found was the exciting part about 1992, which, you know, is the whole iron sharpens iron facet, which, you know, 30 years ago, and, you know, oddly enough, you know, most of us can remember these processors, um, you know, it was the big two. And it was a head-to-head -head battle, right? Where one came out with a product, it was this, it was this arms race, right? It was, it was, it was this this arms race to to keep escalating and raising the bar. And not that companies stopped innovating, not that companies stopped pushing the envelope. It's that it wasn't necessarily a heavyweight fight anymore. And and so companies and the manufacturers have been dealing with in in, in the sector for the past 10 years have been able to um, you know, we, we always talked about, you know, revolution versus, versus evolution, right? They, they've been able to kind of evolve the product as it's gone. You know, it went from HD base T to AV over IP, went from, um, you know, focus touch panels to mobile, you know, there was these big jumps, but on the back end, it was still only focusing on having a pool of control systems programmers and the no programming required message always put out by the marketing companies, right? Those were always the messages we heard. With, with this, um, it, what occurred to me is that this is the first time that we're seeing the silicon revolution of um, what these processors were built for in the first place. In the old days, it was built to do a shade controller. And then they're like, oh, wait, well, we've got that relay. We can use that to do a light or a projection screen. And then they went, oh, wait, well, if we've got a monitor. Now we can switch the VGA back and forth. But gosh, we need something else to do that. And so these boxes were put together from an analog standpoint to cobble all of these disparate control routes now we're doing it in silicon. Now it's, you know, the, the, the software eating the world side of things has happened where they've said, well, no, now we're speaking to everything over IP, but wait a second, if something needs an SSH key, or if you've got HIPAA requirements or SEC requirements or DOD requirements, can you do this in an air gap requirement? And how are all of these things going to come together? And, and, oh, and by the way, we need somebody specifically to create this key to talk to, you know, this, this secure unit over here. And we don't have anybody who also does AV. Where are we going to find that talent to cross it? Because the manufacturer hasn't provided it. So, you know, what, what I love about this announcement is that hopefully it is the beginning of, again, from the outside, the clients are saying, well, this company can do this now and we've got in-house people who can do a couple of things here and there. We want more control of our systems. And if we could, dot, dot, dot. So now the external pressure comes in as opposed to the internal pressure. And so I'm excited for that reason because I, I do think that we're going to see some there had to be a tipping point somebody had to be the first one to introduce the tipping point and i'm i'm hoping that this is that part where that tipping point has become so nick uh, uh kind of playing on what rich said uh is this something that happened because it needed to happen or is it something that we're putting out that that say amx or any other manufacturer would be doing because they're just trying to be different than the others yeah, really, I, th I feel like this is the convergence point of themes that we've been talking about for coming on a decade now. 
Um, this is a natural progression that was going to happen with or without the stalwart uh, AV industry players involved. Uh, if you look at the video conferencing space, Teams and Zoom ate the, ate the hardware codec. And ev so everything going software defined is just part of that natural progression. Uh, it's good to see the AV industry guys uh, play, their, play their cards, uh, as it were. Uh, and jump into the jump into the pool. Uh, we also see this happening in other areas of our industry. Uh, we've been doing uh, similar things with digital signage players for a while now. Um, so uh, in this particular announcement, I, I, I like the selection of uh, of programming languages that have been chosen and an environment that development environment that's been chosen. I think it, it it shows that they are committed that AMX in this case is committed to opening up uh, the the development cycle to more than just the. 20, 30, 40 year AV control system programmers and saying, opening the door and saying, if you have some software development chops, come on in, we'll, we'll help you get started. We'll, we'll allow you to use the tools that you know and are familiar with uh, and languages that, that you've been working with for years that also just happen to be very well documented, very well supported on the, on the web at large so that you can solve the creative problems that need to be solved without just going to a single point of contact uh, at the manufacturer level. Mike, I'd like to get your thoughts about um, what impact is this going to have on, on existing programming teams? You, know, you, you, you lead a team at CTI and um, there, there are a lot of uh, AV programmers out there that uh, are, are very comfortable doing what they're doing. Do you see this being something that they're going to gravitate toward? Or do you see it as something that could be more of a threat? No, I think this is a fantastic risk. So um, with the company, the size of the company we have, I'm constantly looking for team members to add to my team. And there's only so much of a pool of people that are experienced in AV programming. But when it comes to Node-RED and Java and Python, we can easily find people with that skill set and I can teach them the AV part. Um, we can get that. And the fact that we're not having to use this software that is, you know, proprietary and, you know, learn this new software. It's in Visual Studio. We can do this in regular compilers, regular IDEs that, uh, you know, is taught in college. So instead of I don't have to teach them a new software. I can bring anyone in and they know what they're doing. I believe that it opens a door to a lot of new opportunities, as you mentioned, um, both in um, being able to find people and, and, and answer some of the, the needs that this industry has had for some time and also be able to, to move up to a greater level of talent, as, as you alluded to. Um, Rich, uh, you know, you, you've talked a lot about on, on the show, you know, attracting that talent and how do we bring them over from other industries and other, um, it, it, other places where there, there may be uh, a lot more fame or, or, you know, recognition to the, the name of the company that they work for. Um, is this something that could, can help us in that regard? I do. And not in the way that we 
would promote or kind of the the roadblocks that we see which is you know again you know kids coming out of this computer science school they're they're still looking for the startup they're still looking for the unicorns they're still looking to come in and 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 hit it rich you know and and it is absolutely uh you know a, a seller's market in that respect with with talented programmers having the ability to pick and choose where they want to go or do their own thing and so the entrepreneurial side of computer science majors coming out is a new thing to work with. Um, but I, for me, I think that is a nice hook because they still have to learn somewhere. They still have to figure out how to do what they do. And one of the problems that I know we've experienced um, when dealing with trying to bring on new programmers is that if, if you're trying to get a job done, you don't always necessarily have the time to train them as well as you want to. And you kind of get there and sit there and go, well, fine, we'll just do it ourselves. And after a period of time, that, that person's going to lose the enthusiasm. They're like, well, I'm here and I'm not being used properly. I'm not learning the way I want to, or you're trying to get me to do these antiquated things. The hardest part with a lot of these control languages is that it inhibits collaboration more often than not. You might have two people on a team that you can work with, maybe somebody on UX, maybe somebody on the code side, but still typically it's like a single person who's responsible for that whole project moving forward. Um, you know, you might have people writing modules and stuff, but you still got to glue it together. Somebody's still responsible for the glue. If you have somebody who is heavy in to uh, Python or, or heavy into Node Red or really brings a skill set, you can offer true collaboration as a team for the first time, where you could have three people sitting next to each other, concurrently working on a project and going, "Hey, I can do this." I so so to attract new people, you got to give them something to do, and you got to give them something exciting to do. There's lots of people out there that'll sit there and go. I just wrote 50,000 lines of command line code and I can't see myself doing this for another two years straight to do a bug fix on a plugin for a web page for, you know, some kind of ad service, right? Because that's what a lot of these guys are doing. It's like the equivalent of making um, corporate videos, right? Every filmmaker, everybody wants to be a filmmaker and then they're stuck making training videos, right? And they're sitting there going, man, this was not what I signed up for. Coders out there are thinking they're going to do the next best thing and something exciting. And then they're sitting there doing, you know, Rev 15 of something that was written six years ago, and they just have to update it for a new Windows security patch, right? That's that that is the day in day out of a lot of coders, right? So if you can bring them into an environment that says, hey, every day, you're going to be working with us. And we're going to be deploying these projects. And, and and by the way, two weeks from now, you're going to see your work in action. That becomes a completely different conversation. And, and, you know, we've been bad about that. We've been really bad about that. We keep saying we want young talent. We keep saying we want people of varied interests. And then when the going gets tough and we got to get the job done and get paid, we're like, nope, we're doing it the old way. Forget it. You know, we'll, we'll do it on the next one. This is the opportunity to stop saying we'll do it on the next one. Hi, this is Jennifer Goodyear and Erica Carroll from, from the, the Women, Women in AV, AV podcast, podcast, where we are encouraged by the incredible stories of women in AV. Listen in on fun, empowering conversations as we chat with inspiring women, breaking barriers and creating their own path in the industry. Check out Women in AV on avnation.tv or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Nick, I, I know that you have a lot of experience working on it with a team of developers, and I know that you have also um, really invested heavily in mainstream programming languages as well as the others that you work with. Um, speak a little bit toward the value of having really what what does it mean to support these multiple languages and and it is like what what it, what um what's the strategy behind using one versus another let's say um j just for those who might not understand so we're talking about javascript python groovy and node red in this case but i'm sure that there'll be other others who start to support different languages as well yeah for the first three in that list uh it's really a, a differentiation and comfort level for the developer uh so you might have on it on any given team you might have a developer that's got a, a lot of experience in javascript or python depending on how the, their education and training coming up so that you may leverage a particular strength of skill set uh, to by choosing either one either one of those, Node Red is a little bit of a different animal just because it, it's more of a graphical co uh, connecting block sort of uh, sort of uh, configuration environment, uh, which I think is a valuable tool for uh, either folks coming up uh, relatively new, either in development or even in the AV that developers that are coming up new in the AV industry. It helps to visualize a little bit uh, of what uh, of the the fl logical flow that it takes to put together a comprehensive control system uh, like we deal with. Um, in regard to the transition from where uh, where we've been and where we're going with this new this new kind of paradigm, uh, if you will, we have to be a little bit reflective uh, as control system programmers. For the last twenty years or so, we've been fairly insular. We've had our own special tools, our own special environment, and our own special sandbox that we get to play with. And we're the we're the guys that knew how to do all this stuff, make the magic happen. And, and like the other guys said, it the entire control system programming industry has re typically relied on the singular rock star programmer that comes in, makes everything happen, takes a project to the finish line, uh, last in, last out sort of, sort of guy. Uh, and that is going to naturally change as part of this. And I, I honestly think that's a good thing because like, uh, like you said, this opens the door to true team collaborative development. Um, it really hasn't been that long that AV programmers have been hip to source code management, things like Git and Subversion and things like that. We've been way behind the curve in that regard for, for many, many years. And as the, as this comes along, the um, source code management uh, becomes a factor where it's not just a folder on a guy's desktop uh, that manages these code files. It becomes a repository that lives and breathes and evolves uh, as developers come and go, as projects change. Um, so it really um, brings AV control into the traditional software development world and gives it just that much more legitimacy. You covered a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about and that, that I appreciate that and, and, and very well put. Um, you know, Mike, I'd like you to comment a little bit about um, specifically, you know, you also have a team as, as you mentioned, and, and you know, what, what does it look like to be able to uh, change that approach? How, how, how would somebody go about um, taking a project and breaking it down into different components or tasks or, or um, being able to, to collaborate as we've been talking about? Cause I think that that, that may be new to a lot of people that, that, um, haven't done it before or are listening. 
I think when it comes to larger projects and the larger clients, we're doing not just one system, but we're doing a whole bunch of systems. It makes sense to bring a team into into the programming, right? We can collaborate on it. We can get it done faster. We can get better code out of it, right? We have code reviews now. We can bring multiple people in. Uh, Isaac Porter, who's been on the show before, uh, in part of my team, we we programmed uh, a system together before. You know, in a traditional language, we were using version control. We were able to work on the same program, work on different parts of it at the same time. We were able to tackle an entire headquarters of a company in less time because we could tackle multiple issues at once, figure out where we're going. And that is where we are going to become so much stronger as developers and as AV programmers, as as a group of all of us, is we don't have to just be the one guy anymore. As Nick said, the, the one guy. We can now have multiple guys, the team that goes out there and can do these larger projects without just being all in one person's head of, oh, we have to send Rich out to this job. He's the only one who knows how this system works. You know, he was there for two months turning it up. He's the only one who knows. No, now it's a whole team of people who knows. Everyone knows what everyone's code looks like because we're working on it together. Oh, let me go fix this, modify this. We can all work on it. And I'm so excited for how you know, we're going to be able to work together on these programs instead of just one guy and it's his program. He's the one who has to go service it and support it. That's not scalable for anyone or any team as if only one person can touch it. And Mike brought up a good point. And I think that it speaks to the, the kind of, um, the responsibility that we're going to have in this new world where we can work collaboratively is establishing standards, even if it's just within and among a, a specific team. And that's something that will be relatively new to a lot of uh, a lot of folks that we've been around. Uh, it's if you're not the the sole uh, person responsible anymore for standing up a project, and you're working with with one or more multiple um, up to 20, 30, 100 people, uh, theoretically, as we progress along, uh, along this path, standards need to be established, you need to have a commonality and way of doing things that everyone can use and, uh, and interpret uh, as projects move along. I wanted to follow that up with uh, Rich, I'll, I'll let you first um, comment on this. Do you think that this matters to clients? Do you think that like, what, what how can we can we um, either uh, use so some metrics or, or, or show the value of this? I mean, is this something that uh, aside from using these buzzwords that say we're doing modern programming languages, does it, does it matter to a client? Absolutely. Um, and it depends on the client. Um, it depends on the very few clients like the idea that they're locked into a person or a company having to log in for the simplest thing. It, 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 again, it, I I haven't found a client yet that goes, that's awesome that I can't do anything with my system. <laughs> right? We spent a lot of time convincing them, and rightfully so. Hey, you know, our, our job sometimes is to tell you no, um, because we want to ensure a stable and and pleasurable experience. 
but there's a lot of facilities people. There's a lot of corporate IT people. There's a lot of, um, you know, even assistance to the CEO, you know, or assistance to the C-level suite um, that, that, you know, again, it's like, well, you know, we just want this to go from 20% to 30%, or we want this to start at, um, you know, a different part of the presentation. We want to be able to, you know, switch, you know, this laptop broke and we've got something different, you know, and, and you can go, great, here, here's the deal. We will go ahead and create a Lego version of this for you. We will provide the base plate. We will provide the foundation. We will make sure that the stuff that shouldn't break doesn't break. And we're going to wall you off from it. We're just going to make sure we're going to protect you from yourself for all the necessary stuff that you need there. But now, if you decide that you want X, whatever X is, if you decide that you want to learn Node Red <laughs> and you want to make some changes on your own, we're going to give you the flexibility to. Not that you'll probably ever use it, but the idea in your head that you can use it all of a sudden changes that. Because then you're saying yes and, not yes but. Uh, and so it allows us to give them some more confidence and not feeling that we're, we're just hamstrung in X, right? You know, there can be some base pieces and they hire another company or they saw something really cool at someplace else at an experience center or something. And they contact that company and say, hey, we'd want something similar. Well, instead of it being, no, you got to get the source code and the, the, you know, all of these things. It's like, there are ways to implement this. There are ways to collaborate. There are ways to for something to be greater than the sum of the parts. It's not there yet. This is just the first the first hill that we're seeing, but it's going to change the conversation because it will force outside clients to say, Hey, we have these companies who are offering and saying, look, they're giving us a toolkit to be able to make some changes here that on the day to day that we don't you know, want to deal with you on. What's your response to this? You know, well, we're stuck with X and Y that's a business decision at that point, right? That that's a dis difference between you staying and staying relevant or becoming the dinosaur, you know, and, uh, you know, there's there's going to be a living in legacy systems for the immediate future. Um, but sooner or later, you know, the, the dark hair is going to go whiter, in my case, no hair. Right. And so there will be a period of time where, like Nick was saying, it's just like, hey, that person's no longer here. You know, they went they retired. <laughs> you know, the one who held all the keys to the kingdom, man, they're sipping my ties over in Hawaii. Um, and those are things to start thinking about. But, but, you know, more importantly for the, for the client, not that the client will use it. I've had it so many times, but it is the comfort in knowing that they're heard and that you're working towards empowering them instead of disenfranchising them. So I want to chime in real quick. Customers do value the ability to use standards languages. I've got an enterprise client that specifically asked us to not program in a traditional so in the traditional AV software because they can't they can't download that software on their work machines. They can't use it. But if we do it in a standard language in a standard IDE, they can then use that themselves. They can then use versioning control in their environment in their in their atmosphere. It's something that they can do themselves with these standard languages. Right. And that's where it all becomes right. Because the customers are asking for this, right? It's, it might not be every, every client, every customer, but those large enterprises, 
they want to be able to control things, you know, the way some something functions internally. They want to be able to know for their security team, hey, this is something we can scan. We know, we look at, we know what's happening in this thing. Whereas the magic that happens in some compiler, you know, and spits out a, com- here's a, here's a file that gets loaded on the thing. Sure, we can trust that, you know, whatever's happening in that magic of the compiler is, is safe, right? We, there's a, there's a trust that we have there, but when we're using a JavaScript, a Python, a C-sharp, a Groovy, a Node-RED, we know that's a language that's been vetted, that's known, that's secure. Her last word on this, uh, I'll, I'll let you um, handle it, Nick, and, and it may be something that we follow up on in a future episode, but are, are there any drawbacks to, to, to this move, or, or are we going to see more of the industry moving in this direction? The only drawback I, I, I really see is just the requirement to establish a new skill set. I mean, a lot of us have been in the game and done the same things for, like I said before, 20, 30, 40 years uh, in some cases, and it's worked and it's worked well and it's been lucrative. And shifting that uh, shifting that train car uh, to another track is going to take work. Um, the payoff ultimately will uh, will come in spades because there is true value in where we're headed. There's value to the client and there's value uh, to uh, the de- on the developer side. Uh, so it's a win-win proposition in, in my mind. It's really just the, um, the initial pain, if you will, of, of the, inv- the time investment to really put it, which is really honestly something that I, I think the, the group of us on this call have been, have been evangelizing for years to begin with. So it, this isn't uh, a, a shock to the system. Uh, these things that we're talking about or this announcement uh, with AMX and the other control system manufacturers, uh, the, the theme of this show, it seems, has been natural progression. And, and that's really where I, what I see all of this uh, culminating in. It's a good place for us to wrap this one up. Thank you uh, for that. And I, I'm sure that this is a conversation we're going to continue to have. And I... Quite honestly, I think it's very encouraging, and I think you you summed that up very well, Nick. Um, for for those who want to get in touch with you, um, how can they do so and, and learn more about what you're up to? Haven't been super active these days on social media, but you can always track me down uh, at Nick Mill. Excellent. And uh, Mike Krejci from CTI, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about CTI? Yeah, absolutely. It's CTI.com, and uh, if uh, I don't say this, Mitchell or Tim will probably. Uh, Uh, be mad at me but uh just to clarify that av nation is uh part of the cti family uh uh so um you can find us at avnation.tv you can find us at cti.com or for me it's uh, at the mike creechy on any of the socials so you're just saying that you're the only one on this call that's actually getting the paycheck (laughs) and uh, last but not least uh rich uh how can people get in touch with you, uh, learn what you're up to, and, and any uh, you know final thoughts? Uh, you can probably find like uh, me on the socials, like posting videos of like smoking meat and stuff. But but if it's business related, you could type uh, my name into the interwebs. Uh, but you can find us on the website Fergosa Design uh, at Art Fergosa on the socials. Uh, but as always, first and foremost, I hope you find me here on Aviation.tv and our suite of shows. My partner here, as well as all of the other shows that we have serving the vertical in our coverage uh, throughout the year and support our sponsors.
Excellent. And Rich said it all. And uh, also you get to see us at trade shows and the next one up and coming is ISE. And uh, I'll be out there and I uh, look forward to seeing uh, those of you uh, who may be attending. Um, but for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, my company control concepts at controlconcepts.net. And um, we would like to hear from you. We'd like to be able to continue to have new voices and new themes and topics, and also get your thoughts on this, uh, this, uh, uh, announcement, the show, this um, the, the the this new uh, trend, because I think we all should um, weigh in on this, and and I think it's it's you know personally it's a good step in a, a positive direction for the industry, and and um, should should be uh, very exciting to see where what the future holds. Um, as Rich mentioned, um, visit avnation.tv to learn more about this show and all the others and uh, leave a review rating and we'd uh, like to hear more from you. So with that, this has been A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.